0: Welcome to Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast, where we will help you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration that you need to transform your business, impact supply chain success, and enable you to replace risky inventory with valuable insights. Join your Tech Talk host, Corinne Bursa, the 2020 Supply Chain Pro to Know of the Year. With more than 25 years of supply chain and technology expertise and the scars to prove it, Corinne has the heart of a teacher and has helped nearly 1,000 customers transform their businesses and tell their success stories. Join the conversation, share your insights, and learn how to harness technology innovations to drive tangible business results. Buckle up. It's time for Tech Talk. Powered. Supply chain now.
1: Okay, welcome, supply chain movers and shakers. Corinne Bursa here, and I am so glad that you are with us today for this episode of Tech Talk, the digital supply chain planning podcast. We are gonna dive into a really important topic today. We're gonna to talk about your supply chain, of course, but we're gonna talk about determining if your supply chain is agile or fragile. And you know, it's an understatement to say that we've been living in interesting times, really unprecedented times. And we seem to have really entered a period of perpetual volatility and as such agility flexibility, the ability to sense and respond and make changes that are meaningful for our business have never been so important. Long gone are the days where predictable consumer demand and dedicated retail channels made planning easy. I know it didn't feel easy at the time, but it certainly was easier than it is today. Today, we've got challenges of changing channel mixes, We've got product portfolio changes. And you know what? It's hard for brands that have been well-established to really retain and grow market share. Competition is fiercer than ever. So addressing and understanding your own supply chain agility, your own flexibility, it can't stop at your four walls you've got to reach out and assess the agility that you have, the levers you can pull by looking at your network. That network includes your suppliers, your customers, your transportation partners, your manufacturing partners, co-packers, your distribution network, the list could go on and on. So as you look at your agility, look at your own operations, but then look out broader. Look at the way that you rely on trading partners to bring your products to market and to serve your customers well and assess if they're enabling your brand to pivot and respond quickly or if they're hindering your ability to be more responsive in the marketplace. And diving into this topic today with me is Jason Tham. And Jason is the CEO of a company called Neulogy. Jason, welcome so much. It's great to have you here on Tech Talk.
2: I'm very glad to be here. Corinne, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Clearly, Nullogy has a point of view here around gaining agility in the marketplace. In fact, I've got to tell you that I read a white paper that was produced by your team, and it was called Why Your Supply Chain is Brittle. And it really got me thinking about this theme of Am I fragile? Or am I agile? And so kudos to your team. You gave me some good things to think about. Jason, would it be okay if we made that available in the show notes so that our listeners could download it?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very excited to talk about the subject because it's always near dear to me. And as you said, the whole pandemic has highlighted the importance of understanding agile and fragile supply chains.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, before we dive into that topic, and I know you and I could go on for hours around this topic, but let's get to know you just a little bit. Let's um, introduce you to our audience. Give me just a a little bit of information about yourself.
2: My background is, and thanks for asking, is uh, I co-founded Neulogy over 15 years ago. But if I think back, the actual story of Neulogy dated before that because of my background in consumer packaged goods and supply chain so i worked in a very large consumer packaged goods company you probably are familiar with Kellogg's. i worked in manufacturing and then after that worked in contract manufacturing mm. as well and that sort of exposed me and sort of the, was a genesis that of understanding the problems between in the supply chain and the bullwhip up effect and how brands were doing what they do best which is brand Ending, and more and more contract manufacturers, contract packagers could add value and bring the community together between brands and manufacturers. Was, was a whole set of, uh, of of challenges but opportunities. So my background has been in CPG, then founding the company to help solve for some of these problems that are in the supply chain.
1: Great. So that tells us a lot about you. It gives us a little bit of a feel for our Nulogy and some of the problems that you solve. But tell us just a little more. Maybe some of the companies or an example of a problem that that you can help a company solve with Nulogy. Yeah,
2: at Nulogy, we we focus. Uh, we are a, a technology company that has. Uh solve the problem in a very specialized way between a brand and any manufacturer a contract manufacturer so if you take some of our, our customers like Procter and Gamble L'Oreal Church and Dwight Amars a lot of food beverage a lot of health and healthcare and, and beauty products and also other wellness products in, in the in the pharmaceutical space more and more a brand must interact transact and collaborate with its external supply chain partners, whether it be a contract manufacturer, a packager, a 3PL, to be able to launch that product. That means plan for, make that product, package and distribute that product. And that set of interactions is really what we uh, specialize to bring together through a platform, a frictionless way of collaborating to synchronize the information flow to be able to launch those products better.
1: So I love a lot of things you just said, and I'm, I want to dive into that in just a moment. But before we get started, just a little context. So am I to understand that Neulogy can complement what my ERP system does or what my supply chain planning system does, or does this replace those capabilities?
2: We very much, uh, our, our vision in the beginning was to really not be the ERP, uh, was to complement the ERP. An gotcha. ERP, it's, it's in the name, it's Enterprise Resource Planning, it's your enterprise. But what happens outside your enterprise, all a set of interactions that occur. So they have an ecosystem effectively of suppliers and customers um, and contract manufacturers and packagers and third-party logistics companies. And and those third-party logistics companies and third-party manufacturers have also customers. So how do you interact? How do you transact? How do you bring all that information together? together. And that's our focus. We very very much complement the ERPs.
1: Right. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And for our audience out there, it's, it's the opportunity to reach out and really accelerate that information flow. And we're going to talk about that in a little more detail as we dive into this topic of becoming more agile in the marketplace or reducing the fragility of your supply chain. On that topic, we find that many companies have established their supply chain network, it's really been built on, Jason, what I would refer to as a very rigid infrastructure. It's been based off of doing things like large lot sizes, standard product offerings. And it really hinders our ability to flex, right? To increase with demand or to decrease or repurpose production assets to produce a new set of products or accommodate a change in mix or packaging that might be important. And and those things have been increasingly important in this time where channels have changed so significantly, where I'm getting stuff delivered at home versus going to the store and doing a purchase. You know, we can deliver supply chains that are predictable, right? Supply chain likes predictability. It likes routine. But it gets really challenging when we try to introduce new things and do it quickly right? So yeah. fragile means I can't do that. I can't sense, I can't respond, I can't repackage. What are you seeing in this area of, of some kind of examples, if you will, of fragile attributes of businesses and, and maybe where companies should look at its own capabilities?
2: Yeah. So doing one thing over and over is infinitely easier <laughs> than doing one thing once or only maybe a few, few times. So the ability to be able to uh, launch different types of products and be more resilient to different changes in the environment is all throughout this concept of agility. And the pandemic has certainly highlighted what now is a, a household name, a supply chain. I, I think of my, my mm-hmm. kids and when, uh, in the beginning of the onset of the, of the pandemic, when they couldn't get paper towels, yes. I like, oh, think it's, 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 it's supply chain. So now anytime they can't get something, they, they, they chalk it up to like, oh, it must be a supply chain issue. But really, the supply chain issue boils down to the fact that you have these fragile supply chains, and sometimes these supply chains can break, and that does, does result in a household like mine or yours not mm-hmm. getting, or any consumer, not getting what they expected to get. That result of a fragile supply chain can be outages, and that's been revealed really through this past year with the pandemic. Uh, everything that you and I consume as humans has the supply chain from harvesting a resource to converting that, manufacturing it, packaging it, distributing it. Um, so there's a whole set of kind of breaks that can occur within the supply chain along that journey from that resource to finish good. So when I think of fragile supply chains, it's not, it's not the ones that are able to take impacts, it's when they're under stress, they break. Agile ones are the ones that can accommodate for um for disruptions. Agile ones are the ones that can take that stress. And there's a relationship between agile supply chains and fit uh, supply chains as well. If you think of your, your 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 body, you know, we were asked to be more fit, physically fit. And that means stressing your, your body, but thinking long term. And fragile supply chains thinks very short term. They're like, what can I do this in the next quarter or the next year and not looking at investing in the long term, which is what agile supply chains are really focused on. That long-term view of like there might be a black swan event, there might be some disruption. There might be. So I have to invest to be fit, to be agile, to be able to take on stresses and disruptions that may occur so that we don't have outages of paper towel or soap or whatever it may be if such uh, such disruptions do occur.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I have a really funny story about the paper towels or, or toilet tissue. Um, back on the onset of COVID and the shortage of paper towels and toilet paper, et cetera. My son ordered toilet paper online. Okay. And this is a perfect example of mix. He paid no attention to the size or shape. He just ordered toilet paper. He got a 40-pound box of industrial toilet paper, the big rolls, the really big rolls of of toilet paper, right? But that's a great example of mix, right? The manufacturing type, what lines produce those big industrial rolls versus what we as consumers would use at home. And so that ability to move and to flex by capacity type or end item and package appropriately is a very different conversation and a point that many companies found themselves pivoting on in very short order with the disruptions that have occurred. So I always think of that when I when I hear somebody talk about you know the paper towels or the toilet paper. You know, it was the big joke for a while was he now has a year supply of you know industrial toilet tissue if anybody needs that. So just a kind of a funny story there. Yeah. Jason, when we we think about supply chains, and you've been in the supply chain industry, you've now seen it from a brand perspective, from a a co-packer or a co-manufacturer perspective as well. Maybe you could tell our audience, they may not be as familiar with the term co-packer or the term co-manufacturer. Can you give us just a a basic understanding of what that means in the context of a supply chain?
2: Yeah, a co-packer, a co-manufacturer are really a strategic partner to any brand that is making launching a new product and they can play in various parts within the supply chain in the actual formulation and making that finished good right through through some customization or end channel to provide it not only through retail but through some e-commerce and I, i would say you know it's a it's tremendously fast growing industry. If you turn on any kind of a a shark tank episode, if you look at even some of the smaller brands today that are launched, just through an idea. And 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 one of the the, the sharks, uh, Mark Cuban asks, how are you launching this product? They'll blurt out the word a copac or contract manufacturer, Mm -hmm. because they're a critical point of of make, planning, and also delivering this product on behalf of the brand, which means they must have the goodwill, the compliance, the traceability and, and the, the constraints that any brand would have if they were making it themselves. And the brand gets the advantage of getting a speed to market often at times and also sharing resources of a production line that otherwise would have to be committed to only themselves. So that's that's the role of, of a contract manufacturer and packager.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. So it becomes this lever that a brand can use or a business can use. You know, it's it's actually in the industry we will see that there are brands in the marketplace that don't own any production assets whatsoever. Their product is completely produced through a network of manufacturing partners or completely sourced as end items and brought in. So these levers, this ability to increase or decrease and respond to market changes becomes increasingly important. Now, Jason, one of the reasons, you know, I can see the value proposition there, right? I don't have to own the production facility. I don't have to worry about managing a production team that runs, you know, three shifts a day. And I can rely on the expertise of others to do that to my specifications, So that becomes a very quick and easy way for a business to gain flexibility or presence in the marketplace. But to do that, I've got to coordinate not just what's happening in my company proper within my proverbial four walls, but how they're performing against my needs. So that's really where Neulogy starts to come into the equation. So give us a feel for how Nulogy is able to really accelerate that flow of information, that prioritization, and even doing things like maintaining good quality specifications.
2: Yes. So you described it uh, exactly almost uh, what Adam Smith said is that uh, organizations, if they can specialize and work together, is what will actually create a more prosperous nation. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing is, is brands specializing in branding, contract manufacturers specialize in contract manufacturing, but there's a whole set of activities that occur to be able to make, package, and distribute that product. And what uh, what Nulogy focuses on is enabling that brand. And I I do believe the the future belongs to brands who can leverage their external manufacturing and packaging supply chains to make their products faster, more agile, safer, and, and with less waste. And... To do that, there's a set of even recipes, bill of materials, traceability requirements from a lot perspective, such that uh, when they're making a product externally, not on one of their own plants, they have the assurance, the guarantee of outcomes, the recall capabilities, the whole traceability genealogy of making that finished good like it's at their own, and that visibility as well. Likewise, a a, a contract manufacturer who's making product uh, on behalf of that brand can do so with the upstream visibility of the forecast and collaborate on any changes on on whether it be the purchase order and pre-qualify them to be compliant to that brand's specifications in that that finished good make. So I think there's a whole sort of mutuality that occurs there. And often this is a set of back and forth information that is passed. but now with the cloud, it's like mm-hmm. the perfect forum really to collaborate, bring together a set of data uh, and information so that everyone's working on a common uh, set of, of, of truth that reduces sort of the bullwhip effect that we all know in supply chain as well. So that's the that's what news we really focus on. Bring the community together, synchronize that information, drive mutuality, allowing the brand to be more effective and efficient and also the contract manufacturer package on 3PL to have the most updated information, pre-qualified, and also to be able to serve that brand uh, with speed and grace.
1: Yeah, so so I love that for, for a couple of reasons. One, I like to look at techniques that can help us accelerate time to market. Can we get there faster and with less risk? Secondly, our listeners here on Tech Talk will hear me say this time and time again, but I want to replace risky inventory With valuable information, right? It stores better, it moves faster, and it helps me to align my business around the most current demand signals in the marketplace. So I I love that you're bringing that aspect together. Now, one thing many of our listeners may not realize is that even within brands, within some of these large multinational brands, many of them have grown through acquisition. So I was in a conversation with a CSEO for a very large brand before COVID hit. And he turned to me and said, look, my company has 42 different ERP systems. So if I tell you I'm not integrated into myself, much less have challenges bringing supplier information in, bringing customer information in, and they can do that but it's responding in a consistent manner and measuring the business in a consistent manner across each and every brand and each and every go-to-market team. And I think that that's a real opportunity for the marketplace to gain more agility, right? I need to build confidence and trust in that data and the signals that my business is responding to. So when you talk about you know where nology can help to boost agility it's not just data transfer right it's gaining insights from that data so tell me a little bit about that
2: yeah so it's it's the how can one embrace the variability in the market mm-hmm. to compete on velocity that's what we're talking about so the data that one can 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 leverage is understanding where is capacity available because if I want to be a fast follower with a with a new category of product that might be launched, how do I find that within an external network to be able to launch that? Or maybe I want to be a, a very quick one of our mm-hmm. one of our our customers is, is is Church and Dwight, and I think that they're one of the, the better performing publicly traded CPG companies because they have a very clear strategy to be asset lean, asset light, and they they can launch products very rapidly through that. And how do they? how does any brand assemble disassemble or reassemble network of suppliers to be able to respond to that demand to make it make a product because a customer a retailer might say may say i have some space for some end cap displays can you make this well the brand who can say i can make this in this manner to fill this up is going to win so the, yep. the, the real ability to embrace that variability to to compete on velocity is absolutely key. You also brought up, Corinne, you you, you said that I might do work with a a, a manufacturer for a certain period of time, a trend might change, I might Mm -hmm. have to uh, launch something new. And I would bring up the concept of this uh, temporary permanence. So how can I temporarily do work, but guarantee an outcome irrespective of who I do work with? So if I have, you said, the 42 ERPs in, in, a, in a single CPG. That's crazy.
1: That's that crazy. Is, I it's know. A,
2: it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm not surprised to, to hear that. And I think the whole chasing of like, there's going to be one ERP for, for everything. I, I'm not sure about that anyways. But if you think of the external, there's a heterogeneous set of su- suppliers, mm-hmm. heterogeneous set of systems. How do I bring homogeneity to that? And least at our company, Nulogy we take a platform approach to bring homogeneity to those very vast sets of, of data flows to, to be able to um, bring homogeneity. So you can bring uh, a set of guaranteed outcomes because they are permanently uh, connected to your platform, but right, only maybe do business with them three or four months of the year versus forever more, because nothing today, as you know, is forever, because forever is a long yep. time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think, again, you said several important things in there. First thing is that many businesses are highly seasonal or have product offerings that are highly seasonal. That's a great opportunity to leverage some manufacturing partners or co-packers and distribution partners in the mix to handle those highly seasonal items. Secondly, you mentioned just a moment ago about new product introductions. And this is an area where working with a manufacturing partner or a co-packer can really add significant value, right? If you have production assets of your own, you may want to do steady state with those and use your partners to do a new product intro and to be able to test, if you will, test market those products and see what kind of traction they get in the marketplace. Because the bottom line is more than 50% of new products fail. Right. So many of those CPG companies want to produce, distribute, do some test marketing, understand what that looks like. And then they'll talk about the long-term plan or the long-term best strategy. So that's important. And then finally, you know, when when these CPG brands, when you think of things like grocery, for example, if those products are on promotion we can see tremendous spikes in demand, you know, 300% during that promotion period. Likewise, if our competitor is on promotion, we may see our demand suppressed during those periods of time. So having production partners that can help us to, to flex and increase more as we go in promotion in certain regions or in certain channels and then to be able to ramp down during times when we're in a in a normal demand pattern you know that's pretty that's pretty important as well when we think about ways to add agility in how we go to market
2: yeah i uh if you you know 5 years ago we knew that e-commerce and and the effect of of commerce through these uh promotional campaigns mm-hmm. had an effect but you wouldn't have thought like through episodic commerce you could almost sell out a product before you even make it right yeah yes. so all so those spikes of three four hundred percent are are real even in the fast moving consumer goods category and when you mention these large national brands how they're growing it's through new product in- introduction but even more more uh, upstream they're sometimes investing in an idea and an idea you you, you, you hear about a craft or, or a nestle recently buying a food kitting business or they bought balance Bountiful this past on the vitamins side, right? This past week, yep. uh, you know that health trend. Uh, they want to make sure that you know they get up get a piece of that, and uh, the largest food company kind of makes sense. So how do they leverage now their distribution channels, their network now with this new? New sort of a product mix uh, that they can they can also have vitamins. Seeing this example, which is growing in the in the health category for sure. So there's there's a numerous amount of examples in the in the market right now that I I think is very exciting to be in supply chain to enable brands to and contract manufacturers to capitalize on for sure.
1: So you you hit on another topic that I think is important as well, right? If I'm a brand in the marketplace, a large consumer brand my consumers have a very specific expectation of my product, a a specific performance criteria, if it's food and beverage, a specific taste criteria, a specific packaging that they've become accustomed to as well. So communicating and tracking these standards when you're working with trading partners, when you're working with a co-manufacturer or manufacturing partner or Somebody who's doing some late stage postponement for me, and how it's packaged and sent uh, to the consumer to the retail location. That brand equity is really important. So, how does Nulogy kind of help to reinforce those guidelines?
2: Yes, if you if you think of so Nulogy today plays in over fifty percent of the customers we serve in food and beverage. Mm -hmm. So there's compliance requirements from a food just overall governing uh, standpoint there. At the same time, if you're ingesting a product in the food or even in the pharma side, those companies like Nestle I mentioned, like Abbott, um, like some very leading premier brands wanna make sure they have very quality products in the hands of the consumers. And those third party manufacturers and packagers are making it or packaging it on on their behalf. And what is required there is, is quality. And quality of that product is making sure that it's the right, it's going back to that perfect order, uh, the right product at the right time with the right recipe, the right quality specs and so forth. And so how can I make sure that that is up to the standard that is expected, uh, even if it was not made by me, but someone else. Mm-hmm. And you really brings that and ensures that, that the third party manufacturers is compliant, has all the quality, the specs in order, the compliance uh, requirements from regulatory perspective as well, and then can share that information readily with their brand to give them the confidence uh, and comfort. And obviously today in a, in a virtual world, in the past year, I've heard more of our customers now being able to do some virtual audits because they mm. weren't going to visit and, and walk the floors. They can see what is happening in there if they wish. If they wish, um, but it really ties in a very deep collaboration between a, a manufacturer and a brand to work together to make that product uh, at the quality specs and requirements that that a consumer would would want.
1: Yep, yep. And I, and I think I know the answer to this. But how does it happen today? How is that information communicated when when a company doesn't have nulogy? Is it spreadsheets and email? I mean, how how are they sharing? Information between trading partners.
2: Yeah, today, believe it or not, we talked about, about the ERP. Everyone mm-hmm. has an ERP. I'm a you know enterprise resource planning, but it's for me. Now, how do I externalize that information? there's a set of information that's both static and dynamic that I have to share. So often that's exported by some spreadsheet, maybe some emails, some phone call, and that is continuously shared. But it's there's delay, there's latency yep. on that. There is potential not the actual truth because of that, 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 that lay of information as well. And it's just not effective and efficient to, to share this information. So the answer is whether it be on the shop floor or the back office, a lot of that information is captured through sometimes, believe it or not, paper, pencil, paper,
1: (laughs) Paper, it is, it
2: it is. And, and we at Neulogy take our customers through this four C journey. To digitalize, digitally transform that external supply chain, capture that information, connect it back in, allow deep collaboration. That's the third C. And then add cognition or AI or intelligence on what's mm-hmm. been captured so that both parties can understand. A concrete example is when a new product is launched, there's a first article's approval. That means a contract manufacturer needs to make maybe a first run at that product and then share how that product was first made. That means everything from qualitative and quantitative checks. Newly, you can digitalize that whole process and share that information, but then also approve the process for the first article or first finished good that's made such that that's now digitally confirmed. And then I can actually go into my, my long-term or my actual production launch. So just an example there of being able to give the confidence and not In the past, it's done on some first article, I did all the checks and balances, I file this away, maybe scan it, I I send it to my customer, like that's, but capturing this on iPads at the shop floor, being able to share that, um, being able to get that digitally stamped, uh, taking a picture of it, make sure that you actually have all the compliance requirements there um, before that product is in fact uh, put into production.
1: Yeah. So again, just another great example of accelerating that information flow right? or reducing the latency, but also making sure that as it's communicated digitally in that format, I don't have to worry about wasting my my human assets on rekeying information. And I don't have to worry about the introduction of any errors in transposing numbers or statistics or forgetting details around a quality spec or anything in those processes. So I think that that becomes very important as well, right? There is, as few times as possible, let me collect it once and then be able to leverage that data for all the intents and purposes where it can add value in the business. Yes. I, I think as a part of that, it becomes really important to understand that Neulogy is not just doing data collection, right? You're interpreting the data or helping to identify where risks may exist or where sequencing of production may take place, or if I'm meeting my deadlines for customer you know, order fill and you know, on time in full. So that becomes important as well, right? Because in collaborating amongst trading partners, amongst a brand and one of its manufacturing or co-packers or, or 3PLs, it becomes important for them to be on the same page. And to understand where they are in meeting all of the criteria for the business as well.
2: Yeah. And you know, if you're making everything with one party, one may think it's much easier, which is true, but when there is multiple parties involved in the make, package, distribute, you know, process, let's just say things can go awry and getting visibility of variance to plan and on time and in full, and any exceptions on that variance to plan. Nulogy uh, surfaces that and can share amongst the parties, well, this is uh, you know where we might be varying off the plan, whether it be of lack of lack of inventory or just maybe the production process itself in work in, in the WIP process, the working process is, 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 is off plan. So that is um, absolutely some of the exception handling that uh, will be surfaced through, through newlogy.
1: Yeah, so that that makes sense to me as well. So Jason, once once I have Neulogy in place, you know, there's this concept of supplier liquidity, right? Or the ability to move from one supplier to another supplier or to reduce my risk by having similar suppliers in the marketplace. And I think we go back to the pandemic. This has been a big point that many, many companies have talked about is they need to reduce risk. By having multiple suppliers in their network, or by doing production closer to the market that those products will serve, as well. And for some companies, you know, some of it is they've moved some of their suppliers and manufacturers out of China and into other regions, right? That that might be more about um, you know trading relations than anything else. But but that ability to flex, right, back to this this. Conversation of agility and being rigid or fragile in your business. That the ability to onboard or 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 offboard a supplier in my mix. What does that look like? Like if I if if I have competency in Nulogy and I'm using it, and I want to onboard a new trading partner, how quickly can that happen?
2: That's it. That's a great. Good, good question. It can happen literally within weeks, which mm. often in the past would take months to do and rot with risk. So being able to plug and play, um, so this notion of, of presence on network, 15 years ago you'd be like, I'm present on the network, but with the ability to have a platform approach where you have your suppliers and it's mutual here because then a supplier have has more access to business as well. Gives the ability to onboard, offboard, but create more capacity. And I believe that's why brands today are are uh, off, outsourcing more of their manufacturing and packaging. And they will do more if they can do so in a in a in a more frictionless way mm-hmm. with less risk. And and that's that's uh, absolutely what Nulogy enables a, a brand to do.
1: So when you, as CEO of, of Nulogy, I'm sure you're talking to some of the world's biggest brands on a, on a regular basis, to the chief supply chain officers or global supply chain officers. When they're talking to you and they're engaging with Nulogy, Jason, what are they asking for when they talk about agility or they talk about market response or they talk about visibility? What are some of the things that they're looking to achieve, the outcomes that they're looking for?
2: They are looking for, and like you said, we're very proud to have a set of wonderful customers, some of the premier brands, as I mentioned, uh, Procter & Gamble, Mars, one of the largest cosmetics companies, L'Oreal, as as customers using us for for many, many years, that what they want is to be able to have that speed to market, to be able to uh, have agility in in launching new products that really are sometimes customized for that endpoint. Long gone are the days of one product, one fit for one type of geography or demographic. I think proliferation of SKUs certainly took a pause with the pandemic or or shrunk. But I think that if you look at what's upcoming now, I don't know if it's going to be the, the boom of the 20s, but it's going to be something I think that's going to explode in terms of the type of variability of products. The brands that we're talking to and, and working with is how do I launch new products how do i do so with the highest of quality and respond to the ever-changing trends and demands not only of the type of product but the different channels mm-hmm. you wouldn't have thought that people today could sit back or would have to sit back on their couch and order a bag of chips of, of freedom <laughs> day. no yes. I, I, all right i mean that's what you you do today or you had to do last year for sure and I'll just say one of the largest chip and, and uh, snack food companies leverage us for that that regard and not only just through the retail, the Costco and Walmart, but for the direct to consumer mm-hmm. side, where you can effectively go to the website or their website, click on on that mix and they'll pick the flavors of, of chips and then and get that that product you know delivered. That variability of channel is uh something that wouldn't have been thought of probably or accelerated certainly because of the, the pandemic. So
1: uh, absolutely. And I think a lot of that variability is here to stay, right? I think that that we as consumers have changed for the foreseeable future in the way that we order some products or our expectations around that. And, and not only now do you, uh, let's say, food and beverage companies need to be able to package for their food services business, right, which may be in 20 pound packages, then their regular retail um, or grocery channel, which may be in a pound package, now we look, we're we looking at also single serving sizes, right, that might get distributed, as you expressed, right to the consumer at home. So lots of, of changes in packaging. Those are great packaging examples, but then also the channel that those package packages really travel through right so back to my son ordering you know a 40 pound box of toilet paper you know that's not he would never do that again let's put it that way that was a mistake on his part um but i think as consumers we expect to be able to order you know in the quantity that we want just when we want it and oh, by the way as consumers now, we have an expectation that we may get it same day or within 24 hours or 48 hours as well. So that's a different lever of agility as well, where, you know, a 3PL can come into the mix. We can look at distribution center placement as well. And we need that flexibility in how, pa- how products are packaged and shipped to get to whoever the desired customer is as well. So yes. lots lots of great examples. I want to come back to. So for our audience, I'm going to make available this white paper from Nulogy. The white paper is called Why Your Supply Chain Is Brittle and it really got me thinking about this topic of am I agile or am I fragile? And what can I do? And does that agility come just between, you know, my proverbial four walls or the assets that my company owns or can I really harness Agility in the marketplace so that I can do some of the things that Jason Zam has been telling us about today. I can ramp up my production. I can pull it back. I can adapt to seasonality. I can accelerate new product intros. Jason, I love what you just shared about new product innovation because I'm with you. I think there's a lot of pent up innovation that's going to start hitting the market, right? So these CPG companies haven't just been sitting back, they've been thinking about new products, new flavor profiles, new packaging, that's going to come to the market as well. So this is a big opportunity to work with trading partners to really gain agility with those introductions um, in the coming months and years.
2: It's an exciting time to be in in, in supply chain and, and consumer packaged goods. Absolutely. I, I think so. It's been one of the, the highlights in this sort of uh, even economy has been a mainstay, but I think it's about to really take off in a, in, a, in a meaningful way here. I'm excited for sure.
1: Yeah, I think there's lots and lots of opportunity. Jason, what final thought do you want to leave with our audience today about becoming more agile or perhaps reducing the fragile nature of their supply chains? I think
2: the the greatest opportunities is to to get started. You have to get started. Uh, It's always important to continually reassess and refine your digital enable strategy within supply chain, but get started. Look at um, how my network is performing, but look at mutuality. How can I uh, drive not only benefits for me, but also my other trading partners? Because I think that's that's often sometimes what's missing. Uh, and, and what is at stake here is the ability to get uh, more uh, freedom, freedom of, of choice, uh, more resilient and agile supply chains, and uh, be able to be more innovative in the eyes of the consumer. Because uh, one has the ability to launch these products through not only some new uh, category but also some new channel. So -hmm. I think that's that's very much the exciting part um, of of what we're we're in. And the time is now. Time is now where everyone's sort of taking the order on the front end has sort of been solved. I would say like you can you and I as consumers have access to so much options in in the world of what we it's delivering and meeting those expectations so that's where i think the back end stuff is is uh, and the mid stuff is is where um the opportunity for chief supply chain officers and and ceos of companies uh uh, have to look at
1: all right good stuff great insights i want to thank you jason Tham, ceo of newlady for joining us here today on tech talk And for our audience, I hope these insights are going to raise your supply chain IQ. I hope we've given you a few things to think about, and I want you to go back and look at your business and look for those opportunities to increase your agility or reduce the fragile nature of your current supply chains. On the topic of raising your supply chain IQ, I want you to be sure to check out the many great digital resources that are available to you on supplychainnow.com, and while you're there... Find Tech Talk, that's T-E-K-T-O-K, and I'd like you to subscribe. You don't want to miss a single episode. This is Corinne Bursa, host of Tech Talk, the digital supply chain podcast. I want to help you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration you need to transform your business and replace risky inventory with valuable information. We'll see you next time.